Welcome back to uh, an all-new, uh, very exciting new episode of The Real Couple. Bonus episode! Yeah, a bit of a bonus episode. Uh, we've been doing these weekly on Thursdays. Uh, this one's hopefully coming out long before next Thursday. Um, but uh, yeah, we're doing this because, uh, kind of out of the norm lately for us, we went and saw a new movie in theaters. Um, we went and saw uh, the new Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And uh, before we get into that, uh, just one one thing I'd, I'd like to uh, touch on, just because current world news. Uh, today is uh, November 11th, Friday. And this morning, we lost uh, one of the greatest voice actors ever to grace the mic. Uh, we lost Kevin Conroy this morning. That is something that has been weighing on me so heavily all day. Um, yeah, uh, without getting too into Wakanda Forever yet, um, that was a very emotional journey, and I was thinking I was just going to spend all day kind of just reveling in um, the emotional roller coaster of that thing. And then at about 10 o'clock this morning, I found out on, the, on Facebook that Kevin Conroy had died, and I've barely thought about Wakanda Forever today. Um, Kevin Conroy, for, for those of you who are not familiar, he is pretty much just the voice of Batman. If Batman is not being played live action, it's most likely being done by Kevin Conroy. He did, he started with Batman the Animated Series, then they did Batman Beyond, where he did Bruce Wayne. There was Justice League and Justice League, um, Justice League Unlimited. He uh, did the voice of, of Batman and Bruce Wayne in all of that. Um, the Arkham games, uh, I don't think he voiced him in Arkham Origins, but definitely in Asylum City and Night. That was all Kevin Conroy. For me personally, um, for, for a long time, I've said that my favorite live-action Batman is Ben Affleck, like, easily, but most of the time I do specify that he's my favorite live-action Batman, because if we're talking about every Batman, we're including Kevin Conroy in that contest, it's no contest at all. Kevin Conroy just absolutely obliterated the competition for years and years. It is... I, I can't think of a celebrity death apart from, I would say, probably Stan Lee. This is one of the hardest celebrity deaths I've, I can remember. Um, this really just... And he was fairly young, too. He yeah, was only 66. I, yeah. Died um, of intestinal cancer. Yeah. I know you aren't super familiar with... Kevin Conroy's work as Batman. Uh, I've shown you a few episodes of Batman the Animated Series and stuff, but uh, yeah, it. The, I was uh, thinking about it in the car today, and it it wasn't even like we lost a guy who played Batman. It feels like we lost Batman today. It just it sucks so hard. Um, the, one of my all time favorite lines of dialogue from the character and that's from comics video games animated any of that 
probably my single favorite line Kevin Conroy spoke in Batman Beyond. There's an episode where um, there's this villain who has uh, like precision-based speakers uh, or sound technology, whatever, and so he can like pinpoint. He can he send sound waves straight to your ear, so you're the only one hearing it. He can. It's yeah, all very technical jargon, but whatever. Um, and so this guy hides little uh, speakers all throughout. Uh, Wayne Manor and stuff like that and he starts talking to Bruce Wayne uh, to make Bruce Wayne believe he's going crazy so Bruce Wayne spends the whole episode hey I'm hearing voices um, and everyone's like oh it's probably in your head and he's like no it, it's not in my head and he's an old man at this point and so everyone's like oh he's probably got dementia he's, he's starting to lose it and he's like no it's not in my head it's external I'm hearing it and but no one else can hear it and so um they just all think he's he's losing it. In the very end, they finally figure out what's going on, how the bad guy's been doing it, and Terry McGinnis, uh, the, the young Batman, goes to him at the very end and says, um, throughout all of that, you were never even open to the idea that it was in your head. How were you always so sure it was an external sound? You never um, considered that it might actually be in your head. Why not? And all he says is just, because the voice kept referring to me as Bruce, and I don't. And that's all he says, and it's just the most perfect Batman line ever written. And yeah, losing the the guy who, who brought that line to us just sucks. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Um, once again, uh, as with last episode, you're probably going to hear some sounds in the background, and that is because we are dog-sitting, so we have some dogs in the room with us. So, hopefully, they won't be too disruptive, but, uh, who knows? I, I keep explaining to them that we're trying to, uh, record a podcast, and they just, I, I don't think they really understand. Puppies um, will be puppies. Yeah. And, and puppies don't appreciate a good podcast. No, they really don't. So with that, should we jump on into Wakanda Forever? Yeah, let's, let's jump into the second most heartbreaking thing <laughs> on my mind right now. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so. We're just going to put up the spoiler warning right now. Yeah. Um, we're just going to dive in. If you have not watched Wakanda Forever yet, and you don't want to be spoiled, just don't listen. Yeah, I'd say the only uh, spoiler-free thing I'll say is definitely go see it. We both really liked it, and and highly recommend. Yes. Beyond that, <laughs> they're spoilers. So yes, ye have been warned. Um. Yeah, you want to start? You want me to start? Wakanda Forever. We'll just hit you in all the feels. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, um, I am not a crier in movies. Dallas is a big crier in movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and Wakanda Forever almost had me in tears. Oh, yeah. Which says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening, like, Marvel... What is... It's not, like, credits. The, the Marvel the, Studios logo. Yeah. The, 
Uh, but that being silent and just shots of Chadwick Boseman was so just like respectful and heart-wrenching. And then at the end when they were going through the like shots of him in his role as Black Panther as well, again, silent. Um, it was handled very well. I really appreciated how they handled the passing of Chadwick Boseman and his role as Black Panther. I appreciated that they chose not to just recast T'Challa and that they let that just go with Chadwick Boseman. Um, I like that, you know, we still have the Black Panther mantle, but that it doesn't have to be T'Challa and that we can just save that for Chadwick Boseman. Um, We were wondering for months how Ryan Coogler was going to handle all of that. And I feel like he did a beautiful job. Um, I, I feel like Chadwick would be happy with how it was handled. I feel like his family hopefully is happy with how it was handled. Um, and I think most Marvel fans are as well. Yeah. I did read somewhere that, uh, his brother, I guess, um, was really opposed to this happening. I did Um, see that. He did not feel like the character of T'Challa should die with uh, Chadwick Boseman. He he felt like it was a an important enough role and character that it should live on beyond uh, one single specific actor. Um, which I see where he's coming from, and I do like uh, what they've what they decided to do. Um, one thing, the first scene of the movie is so hectic and so chaotically done i was very very impressed with it because it simply starts with uh shuri entering her lab and frantically uh demanding information and updates and uh barking orders at people because she's so frantically working uh to try and find a cure for t'challa uh, and she knows there there really isn't much time, but she hasn't quite recognized yet that there isn't enough time. And uh, one thing that I was really um, kind of impressed by, uh, surprised by, uh, kind of intrigued by, was that they really didn't write a very original story for what happened to T'Challa. They pretty much just straight up said he suddenly developed an illness and it killed him. And none of the Wakandans were made aware of it until it was pretty late in the game. And the concept that they pretty much just took exactly what happened in real life and wrote that directly into the script, um, I, f- I feel like... Um, at this point in time, it's going to be years before anyone sees Black Panther, uh, sorry, Black Panther 2, without knowing what happened to Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. And so you're not, it's going to be so long if the time ever comes when people watch that and are lost as to why yeah. there's such a, a sudden 
and jarring uh, change in narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a big story. You can just straight up tell what happened in real life in your fictitious world. And everyone knows why you're writing it that way. And I feel like that's why it worked. Yeah. And I just really loved that this was a movie about grief mm-hmm. and how to cope with that from multiple different perspectives. Yeah. Because you have the Shuri mm-hmm. who's dealing with the loss of her brother and her hero who throws herself into her work and basically doesn't allow herself to grieve Uh because I think she, in a way, feels responsible for her brother dying because she couldn't stop it. And then you have the mom who is just like this stoic, kind and loving, but badass leader who has to lead a whole country um, and deal with political stuff and all of that. And then you have the general uh, from the... Okoye. Yeah. Um, You have her who has dedicated her whole life to the service of the crown, um, who continues to throw herself into that and to make sure that everyone else is trained just as well. Um, And then you have the nation that's grieving the loss of a beloved leader who by all intents and purposes was perfect. He was kind. He was loyal. He was strong. He was willing to fight for the underdog and all of that. And they lost him and they lost the Black Panther. Yeah, that was, uh, it was really interesting how uh, they wrote the loss of, of all of the different, uh, um, hats that T'Challa wore. Uh, they lost, you know, one character lost a brother, another character lost a son, another character lost. Um, uh, oh, I didn't even mention Nakia. Yeah, uh, Nakia lost um, a, lover, a lover, a boyfriend, <laughs> husband. Um, you know, I don't really know what their yeah, whatever they were legal it was, relationship. Was. Yeah, um, but. Uh, a a significant um love interest um and yeah the nation lost a king and a protector and then we also get to see um for people like uh agent ross um you know the world lost an avenger um and yeah and so yeah, it, it is all about grief. It's all about loss. And because everyone grieves differently and everyone grieves according to the information they have, mm-hmm. that also... It was also interesting to see the fallout of the grief. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the respect in the flawed ways that people grieve. There's a, a moment where, uh, like you mentioned, Shuri really throws herself into the, into the work. And later in the movie, uh, she has to grieve again. We've already put up the spoiler warning, but, uh, in this movie, queen Ramonda also 
gets killed. Um, and Which, thanks for that, Ryan Coogler. Ra- oh you gosh, did us dirty on that one. Um, and so she passes away. And so Shuri is thrown back into this, you know, grieving uh, mindset. And as he can see, she's going to go back into a, a pretty dark mindset or at least try to sidestep a very dark mindset mbaku is the one that goes to her and pretty much just says you need to feel this don't Mm -hmm. just force yourself to focus on the work and ignore this you need to feel it and she what was his line about like you've been through too much in life for me to consider you a child anymore yeah something like that um, that was so many beautiful standalone lines. He just became this like amazing older brother yeah. figure, I and guess I, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And I remember when he first came in, in uh, Black Panther 1, he seemed like he was going to be a pretty one note, uh, brutish side character. Yeah. And then partway through when they find out that, uh, the um, mountain tribe are the ones that found T'Challa's body and saved him in that first movie. Suddenly um, his, his character gets written a lot better and with far more depth. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we get to see him again in infinity war and stuff. And um, so I was really happy to see him come back and to be written so damn well I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, and Winston Duke played it so well. He did. Um, there were, before they released the second and final trailer, I, I think it was the final trailer, um, but uh, before they released that trailer for Wakanda Forever that ends with the Black Panther landing, there was speculation who's going to take on the mantle of Black Panther, and some people were speculating maybe it's it's going to be M'Baku. And I would have loved to see M'Baku take on the role. Um, I was pretty sad to see that it wasn't him. Um, but at the same time, uh, I thought... It felt right to have it be Shuri, though. It, it did. Um, yeah. There was... Uh, I remember there was a lot of speculation that maybe in this universe, um, Shuri was going to take on the mantle of Ironheart, which I also thought would have been really, really cool. Instead, they um, kept Ironheart as Riri Williams, uh, which was kind of jarring to suddenly introduce a brand new out of nowhere girl and be like, oh yeah, you've never heard of her? Well, she's a genius. Like she's one of the top deal. three smartest people on the planet. Um, but uh, I hope they do more with her. They better. Yeah. Um, I thought she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, I believe Ironheart's getting her own... Uh, Disney Plus series. Oh, cool. Uh, either that or a movie, but I I'm, I know I've seen the title card for Ironheart. Um, so, yeah. Um, I haven't yet started any Ironheart comics, um, but uh, it was my understanding. I thought she was quite a bit younger than that uh, in the comics. I thought she was like, like Spider-Man age. Hmm. Um, like when he first gets bit. Um, but uh, I, I did think that her role in this was was pretty fun. Um, 
one thing <laughs> the dorm room scene i thought was hilarious yeah as she's trying to like fight him off with a heater <laughs> oh yeah yeah um there was they kind of uh leaned heavily into the concept that like okoye is a borderline psychopath who isn't good with people which i guess we haven't really seen much to contradict that um but uh yeah that was but i mean as a general that's dedicated her life to learning how to fight and to being the best warrior she can be like throwing her into boston yeah on a college campus yeah um one scene that was uh really interesting to me uh and it kind of i don't know didn't really feel like it went anywhere for the most part well it, it definitely did um but uh maybe character wise uh when those the boat sends the two divers down to find the underwater oh um, yeah the like yeah, vibranium the vibranium detector thing yeah, exactly uh we meet a character played by uh lake bell uh which was very surprising to me uh she is a prominent voice actress um but uh, she plays Dr. Graham, and she's, like, one of the ones that has to... Or she's, like, the only survivor. Or no. I think they throw her helicopter there, into the water, so like, she there dies. There wasn't a survivor yeah. from that. So that was kind of weird, that they would bring in someone like Lake Bell just to kill her off after one scene. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was, I was sad to see her uh, brought in just to be killed off so quickly so uh i i thought that uh one scene was kind of interesting to uh tell us that the vibranium is under the ocean uh the forget what they're called water dwellers don't want people to find them and in order to communicate that everyone we're introducing in this scene dies yeah (laughs) um so that was odd i guess um however uh namor as a character and his people as a um as a people civilization yeah as a civilization i thought all of that was really really cool that was really cool um, the whole city of talakon yes talakon thank you um i thought that was all really well designed uh well executed i read that it was originally supposed to be atlantis Mm -hmm. yeah i believe it's atlantis in in the comics but they decided to change it to not uh conflict with dc and aquaman and all of that pretty wise honestly i agree um which funny enough from what i understand namor is like one of the oldest comic book characters ever did you know that that actor couldn't swim? Yeah, I saw that. Did you see what he said to Ryan Coogler? I've never drowned. Yeah, Ryan Coogler. How how good is your swimming? And he just says, I've never drowned before. Like, just the most all gas, no brakes response I've ever heard. Right. Like, imagine just in a job interview being like, how are you with Microsoft Word? And your response is just, don't ask me that shit. Give me the damn job. <laughs> right? And then as soon as you leave, you just go onto YouTube and be like, how does this program work? That is phenomenal. And then to be world-renowned, like you're now the poster child 
of Microsoft Word. He's now the poster child of swimming people. Right. <laughs> I guess the whole cast of Talaconese people. I don't know. Uh, um, they all had to take uh, swimming and breathing lessons. I bet. For this. Uh, but that actor also that plays Namor, um, he got uh, in the credits and in uh, now introducing. Oh. I don't like that's not a title, but the the uh, I guess prefix. Yeah. For his, his credit was now introducing, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, because that means that that's you know your first big gig. Yeah. And to have that be in a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what I understand, like I've been reading and stuff uh, leading up to this movie, I guess uh, certain projects, certain people uh, were kind of wanting to incorporate Namor. And Ryan Coogler had to like kind of fight to have him be the one to introduce. He was like, no, please, please nobody touch Namor. I'm really wanting to have him be a big deal in Black Panther 2. And so they kind of had to hold off like, all right, anyone who wants Namor, you're not allowed to touch it because Coogler has claimed He did such a freaking good job. He really did. And to know that he almost walked away from not only Black Panther 2, but directing in general after Chadwick Boseman died. Did he? Because he was such good friends and Chadwick Boseman was such a big part of his life that he almost just gave it up. Uh, But super glad he didn't. Um, And I feel like he was definitely the right person to take on this huge task. Yeah. Um, One other thing, and it's funny, like it, it felt... Uh, like when it happened, my mind was like, oh, this is like on the same level. It's not at all on the same level, but I really liked getting to see uh, Michael B. Jordan come oh back in gosh, this. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, oh my gosh, they brought him back even though he died too. Wait, no, Killmonger was killed off. Michael, Michael B. B. Jordan, Jordan is still around. Dandy. Um, but it was good to see him back. It was great to see him back. I will um, stand by my stance of I hate that they cast him in that role because I wanted him to play a bigger role in Marvel. Yeah. Because who doesn't want to see Michael B. Jordan on screen for yeah. as long as possible? Um, something that I've been saying for a long time, I would be so down if they just resurrected his character. Um, Which they could totally do. You could easily do it. He's been in What If?, which means we could easily just pull a Killmonger from an alternate universe um, with the the vague powers of the heart-shaped herb. You could easily just be like, yeah, we got a dickload of that juice and we soaked his body in it for a month and a half. Really just, just marinated. marinated in. Yeah, we marinated the shit out of that carcass. And now he's back. I My brain would be like, doesn't make any sense. Cool. Got it. Dope. Like my brain in the theater, the first showing when uh, of Star Wars Episode Nine, as soon as Poe Dameron was like, somehow Palpatine returned. That first showing, I was like, really? Crazy. Okay. 
nowadays I look back and I'm like, that is terrible. But if... But you can suspend your disbelief, yeah. at least for the first viewing. If Marvel were to be able to... Or if Marvel were to claim that Killmonger came back and put a tiny bit of effort into explaining how, they, yeah, marinated his body in heart-shaped herb juice. That is more than enough for me. And the way he was written in the first movie was he, he thought through his stance on things enough that I can support him as a character. Yeah. Um, you just need to have a bit of a, I felt this way. We had a um, fundamental disagreement in how to handle certain things, but I understand where T'Challa was coming from. I've had a bit of a change of heart. Done. I really liked the scene with him and Shuri. Yeah. In the and almost ancestral plane. I don't know. Yeah. The anti-ancestral plane. Yeah. Maybe that whatever that's like, called. The ancestral plane in the first Black Panther is very spiritual. And, you know, there's a tree. And some of these people are panthers. And yada, yada, yada. In this one, it's just like a room you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's... Uh, that may just simply because um, Shuri isn't nearly as religious. Yeah. I think it just also brought another depth to her grief process. Mm-hmm. Because she obviously is very scientific and doesn't be- necessarily believe in the ancestral plane and that they can come and visit her. But I think she does it in case she's wrong, you know? like. Okay. I'll take the heart-shaped herb juices. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I will see my family. And I think probably in her mind, it was like, if I don't see them, then it's not real and I'm Mm -hmm. not affected. And I think that's why it was such a shock for her to come on, like, to her anti-ancestral plane and find Killmonger there and to have to face the fact that she's a lot more like him than she ever wanted to believe, but that she's also a lot more like T'Challa than she would let herself believe. Yeah. Um, One thing, I feel like uh, they wrote Killmonger in this, um, and and maybe it's just because I thought he should have had more of a change of heart. Uh, and I, like, read into the script of the first movie more than necessary. Um, but, yeah, he was still very set in his ways. So I, I guess I was kind of hoping there would be a bit more of a um, change of heart or a, a softening of the heart on Killmonger's part. Um, but uh, at the same time, it's I'm still very, very happy with how that all played out. Um, and for the um, kind of the angel on one shoulder, demon on the other. Um, but in this context, it's it's a bit more like uh, both of these mindsets are effective. Mm-hmm. So whichever one you choose, uh, you know, you can see success in both of these avenues. Um so that was very interesting. 
um, similar to, as we're discussing this, similar to um, Eternals. I'm looking forward to seeing this again. Uh, just to, now that I know where each character begins and ends up, seeing it a second time, I feel like I uh, would probably get a lot more out of some of those. Can we also talk about uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Yo, and yes. Dave Fontaine, what is her? Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Yeah. Is that right? Um, something like that. Something close to that. Yeah. Um, having been married to Agent Ross. Yeah, that was very interesting. That, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, listeners, but that seemed like a reveal to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if it's in the, it might be in the comics. Maybe. Um, but yeah, that was very interesting. I loved uh, seeing him like jogging in the woods and all of a sudden that fly is just like being all weird. And he finally figures out, oh, that's Wakanda tech. Got it. And he just knows <laughs> I know to what we're doing. It. Yeah. Um, but then how she like somehow bugged the beads and just, she's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Which felt very in line with her. It did. Um, she feels like the kind of asshole I really want to watch more of. Yeah. We've only really gotten like three scenes with her up until now. Uh, Cause I think she appears twice in uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. And then she appears briefly in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And then we get her in this. And I really like her. I'm intrigued as to where it's going. Yeah. For sure. Um, she feels um less authoritative but similar to amanda waller or at least how i would like amanda waller to be handled where she's so confident in herself that she's just kind of willing to be an asshole to everyone because at the end of the day she knows she's gonna come out on top yeah she's already out because she knows she's five steps ahead of everybody yeah, she's already outthought you I loved when she got on the scene and the guy was like, hi, I'm so-and-so and and like wants to shake her hand. She's like, good for you. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. Um, I I think she's playing the role really well. I think they're writing the role really well. Um, And yeah, the, uh, whenever Ross first shows up, he says something about like uh, director Dave Fontaine or something like that. And her response is simply, oh, we're playing it like that? All right. And then later she mentions, we got to talk about our old marriage. I or... I have to apologize for some things I said during our marriage. During, yeah. Um, and. She said it so casually mm-hmm. that I was like, wait, what did she just say? Yeah. But once she said that, it suddenly paints the line oh, we're playing it that way very differently. Yeah, it because does. Because they used to be married, and now he hates her so much that when he sees her, he calls her by her title. Um, yeah, loved that. I love him as a character He's in this. He's really great. Also, he shares our last name, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, how can you not absolutely adore uh, Martin Freeman? He's so him. great. Um, like, as much as I dislike the Hobbit movies, 
he's great. Um, so yeah. Um, some other things. How do you feel about, uh, I don't remember the like character name, but who Okoye turns into in like the blue suit. Um, does she have midnight sun or something like that? Midnight angels. Wasn't she? Because she was the one that was always like, this is ugly. But then oh. she ended up wearing the suit. Oh, okay. Oh, what sorry. Was... Okoye. Yeah. I was thinking Nakia. I don't oh. think Nakia is one of the... No, no, no. Okay. okay. But Okoye cool. is. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I dug the Midnight Angels. Uh, is that what it's called? I think it's Midnight Angels. Okay. Pretty sure. Um, the I suits looked a little... Star Wars meets Marvel-y. Yeah, which at the same time, like... But I wasn't upset about it. Yeah. There are so many times when things kind of look silly and it's like, well, they want it to be comic accurate. And then you look at the original comic artwork and you're like, oh, then yeah, that's that's how it has to look. I'm fine with the look of Mysterio. You Ugh. hate the look of Mysterio. I hate it. I'm... It's... I think it works better in a cartoon or a video game, but I can accept the look of Black Manta. You hate the oh, look of Black Manta. I don't Manta. like Black Manta yeah. either. It's, it, I feel like the look of Black Manta is a lot worse than Mysterio. Yeah, but um, they're both bad. Okay. I, I like that uh, Mysterio, for a character who, when all is said and done, is a very smoke and mirrors character. His costume is a very smoke and mirrors costume. He can make the head orb full of smoke, mm-hmm. or at least appear that way. Um, yeah, I, I think it it really works well for the character's shtick. Do you um, know if the Midnight Angels were comic accurate or not? They looked like they, they looked comic-y were. to yeah. me. Um, without knowing what the comics looked like. They looked comic accurate. I just thought it was so funny that the whole time Okoye just kept telling Shuri how stupid this uh, suit looked and that she ended up wearing it and just rocking the hell out of it. Um, I love Okoye as a character. Um, And the scene where the queen strips her of her rank was absolutely heartbreaking to me. Dallas just pulled up a picture of them in the comics, and that does look very comic accurate. Yeah. Um, it looks very comic accurate, and and I think the Black Panther movies and you know everything that's touched Wakanda so far um, has done a great job of this. It looks very African inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks very like African tribal. Uh, which, going off of that, Nakia's suit looked oh my gosh. so good. Yeah, that thing was gorgeous. Um, yeah. And Ironheart. I was very happy with Ironheart. Um, I can't wait to see more of Ironheart. It's it's not quite one of those things where um, I think that was like enough for me to be 
fully and totally on board. Like at the end of Civil War, I remember coming out of that and being like, Black Panther is the shit. Holy hell. At the end of this, I don't know if Ironheart's the shit, but I do really like her so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought her Mark One suit was really cool. Um, the fact that it was... Um, this is going to sound weird. Um, it seemed even more Mark One-y than Iron Man's Mark One suit. Because, like, Iron Man's Mark One suit at least covers all of him. Her Mark One suit... Most of her it's is like a exposed. skeleton. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really an exoskeleton suit. Um, kind of a, a Edge of Tomorrow or uh, Elysium kind of a thing. Uh, you know, a bit bulkier than that, though. Um, but uh, almost Power Loader-esque, like Aliens mm-hmm. Power Loader. Yeah. Um, and I, I really dug that. Um but at the same time, it's it's more Mark One-y than Iron Man's Mark One because she worked on it really hard. So you can kind of tell this is um, very much what she envisioned. Where Iron Man's Mark One suit, it's just kind of all he what can was manage. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, as soon as he takes off the for the first time, uh, getting out of the cave in Afghanistan. The suit falls apart during the flight. Yeah, it does. Riri Williams's Mark One Ironheart is at least keeping Stable. its form. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's funny that in both Iron Man One and this, both of them try to go way too high into the atmosphere and end up having to free fall mm-hmm. a substantial a distance and list. almost yeah. eating shit in pavement. Um, which, as soon as she went up, I was like, Tony Stark learned this lesson the hard way years ago. Over ten years ago now. Um, so, that was that was a fun little paying homage. Um, I, in and the, speaking of the yeah. look of costumes, um, I loved like the tribal costumes of just the people in Wakanda. Okay, so no, like, major characters, just, like, the Just, the like, the overall, yeah. like, the white for the funeral, the I for thought the funeral. was absolutely beautiful. And then, uh, sorry, real quick, um, like, there's the whole funeral sequence, and then the camera pans up, and you can see just into the background of and Wakanda. Everyone. And you can see so many people. And the reason you can see so many people is because everyone is dressed in white. Oh my god. Absolutely gosh. beautiful. That shot. The scene as a whole was beautiful, but that shot was yeah. just jaw-dropping. Well, and then also just like in other times when it was showing just them like being in Wakanda, just the the beautiful colors and everything and then I also really liked getting to see the Aztec and Mexican cultures as well. Yeah. With the I mean, there was like land Mexicans. <laughs> that sounds bad, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, surface dwelling, surface dwelling, surface dwelling Latinos or Hispanics or Spanish. It was in Mexico. Okay, so yeah, Mexican Mexicans. Was it in Mexico? Yeah, 
Okay. Wasn't it? I feel like it was. Okay. If I'm wrong, tell me. Yeah. Um, there weren't a lot of shots where like he comes up onto the surface and then the camera zooms out so that you can be like, oh, that's what part of the earth it's on. Yeah. So. But even like down in Talacon, seeing everyone and how they're dressed there and the stuff that they dress Shuri and Riri in while they're down there was also beautiful. Mm-hmm. I even really liked their like water mouth piece things yeah one thing uh kind of a complaint but at the same time uh, how else would you do it because uh namor's like right hand and left hand people um they always have those mouth breather things on apparatus things uh i mean everyone does but those two are supposed to be like notable characters I wouldn't be able to pick them out of a lineup. No. Because of how much of the film they were wearing something covering their mouths. Yeah. Similar, uh, during COVID, if you ever met someone new who exclusively wore a mask, you could That's go months. That's what your face looks like? Yeah, you could go months and then finally they take your their mask off and you're like, what? Since when do you have a mustache? Ma'am. <laughs> um... <laughs> So going off of, I guess, minor complaints about the movie, um, I was a little bit annoyed that this is a Black Panther movie and there was not a Black Panther in the movie until about two hours in. Yeah. um, Which I understand that it's a grieving process and everything. And I do feel like it was handled well. But it doesn't feel like it was like a Black Panther heavy movie, you know? Yeah, I liked that they took the time to tell a story that was so, um, not slow, but uh, their plot is interested in things other than just someone being in a Black Panther suit and and fighting people. Um, And if they had rushed the story of... Uh, Shuri accepting the mantle finally it would it would have done a major disservice to that story being told um, and if they um, I almost kind of wish there was a way of communicating more stories like this like uh, I'm constantly seeing memes and stuff on the internet of just people uh writing out like conversations between Avengers characters just while they're hanging out. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see that sort of thing, but Marvel would never make that because why would you ever make an entire movie? Why would you hire Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, more importantly, people whose characters are still alive. Um, Why would you hire all those guys just to make a story where there's, no action and they sit around playing poker all night yeah just because the conversation is going to be funny or you know well don't get me wrong i love that they Mm -hmm. made shuri take on that mantle Mm -hmm. and i love the character development that went into her taking it on 
And that moment when she basically reveals to the rest of the Wakandans that she is the Black Panther. When she drops out of the When jet. she drops in. Yo. Oh my gosh. That part gave me chills. Yeah. Um, and the fact that uh, M'Baku really like accepts that she's taking the mantle by uh, giving his like war chant. The... Yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned to you earlier today. I absolutely love the Wakandan chants. Uh, M'Baku's, I think it's like, Ba-fa, whoa, whoa, Ba-fa, whoa, whoa, something like that. And then the, Ibombay, uh, and hearing Shuri start oh my the Ibombay, or Ibombay chant was so powerful. Um, that oh, was... that was, that was one of those moments that was like, not quite on the level of portals, but you know what I'm talking about with yeah. how it feels when they oh, start yeah. that chant and when mm-hmm. it's Shuri doing it as the Black Panther. Yeah. It, um, like you said, it's not quite on the same level as portals because that's impossible. But in Infinity War, when Thanos' army is is up against the shield and they're like trying to get in and then they finally are like, you know what? We're going to open the shields. We're going to let them in. We're going to fight them head on and black panther starts the ibombe chant that's dope as hell as well uh from what i understand uh black panther hadn't come out yet when they filmed that however the cast had already filmed and so they get to set and the russo brothers are like cool cool and this is what's happening in this scene and all of a sudden they were like can we do the chant? And the Russo brothers were like, what are you talking about? And then they start this war chant and the Russo brothers were like, that's dope. What is this? <laughs> and brilliant. Yeah. That's a great scene. Um, so yeah, I was very happy with that. Um, one moment that I feel like the, most of the audience let out like an audible, like, holy shit. Um, when Shuri is fighting Namor one-on-one on the beach, at some point, in order to like kind of even the odds, she slices off his ankle wings. Yeah, one of them. At least one of them, yeah. Um, that was brutal. That was like the turning a... point of that battle. Yeah. Um, and I would like to uh, give a shout-out to the ankle wings. I feel like that is such a silly thing from the comics and the fact that they're like we're bringing in namor okay but you're not doing the angel wing angel uh sorry ankle wings that's why i couldn't say it because i was so close um yeah like we're gonna do namor okay but you're not doing ankle wings are you oh no we're doing ankle wings it's gonna play a major role in every battle he's in um i do love how because marvel is so well established, they can be bold with things like that. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you have DC just constantly shying away from doing bold things like that. They didn't want to put pointy ears on Dwayne Johnson, even though in the comics, Black Adam has pointy ears. Yeah. Then less than a month after that movie comes out, Namor has pointy ass ears. Yeah. And ankle and ankle wings. wings. Um, One thing with that final battle that we had talked about a little earlier uh, before we recorded, 
um, was that Namor really won the long game on that one. Because in that battle, Shuri promised that they would keep his secrets and they would come to his aid and they would be an ally. But by promising to keep his secrets, that's basically putting Wakanda in the line of fire for all of the other nations in the world, especially the U.S., because the U.S. thinks that it was the Wakandans that attacked that cargo ship. They think that all of these things were the fault of Wakanda and they're not going to back down because all of these countries that are part of the UN um, want the resources that Wakanda has. And I think this is going to be how they think they can get it. Whether yeah. they can actually get it that way or not, that's how they think they're going to. Yeah. So I think truly Namor won the long game in this yeah. sure he won the the battle but i think namor is going to win that war and one thing that would be very interesting to see if the united states government turns their backs on wakanda or you know really wants to start beef what do the avengers do do you know um just because they for the most part reside in the continental United States, does, you know, uh, Bruce Banner suddenly say, no, I've stood shoulder to shoulder in intergalactic war with Wakandans. I don't give a flying rat's ass how you guys stand with or against. I'm going to stand with them. Um, you know, is Bucky Barnes gonna, uh, you know, stand with the Wakandans is... I feel like Bucky Barnes has so much more of a oh, yeah. a tie to the Wakandans than he does to the Americans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, if Bucky remains loyal to Wakanda, what does Sam Wilson's Captain America do? What happens when America wages war on a Wakanda and Captain America stands against America? That could be... Well, and really we didn't get to story. see the reactions of the Avengers to losing one of their own. Yeah, yeah. That is one we've seen so much grieving from all the different parties and players. We haven't seen any of the grieving process from the Avengers. And will some of them be like, well, we lost T'Challa. We have no allegiances to Shuri or to Wakanda itself. Like... T'Challa was ours. Yeah. Will yeah. there be like an infinity war or a not infinity war, a civil war type mm -hmm. split with the Avengers between the ones who feel like they have this tie to Wakanda and the ones that feel like they just had that tie to T'Challa. Yeah. That would be so interesting. And there have been two civil wars in the Marvel comics. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So there was civil war and, I don't even know why I said this, because the second one is called Civil War Two. <laughs> <laughs> that is the least interesting thing I could have possibly <laughs> stated. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that could be a very interesting way of of giving us a second Civil War story. Now, uh, moving on to kind of the end of the movie. Um, so Shuri 
after everything's all said and done, she uh, goes ahead and sort of like completes her mourning process and uh, goes and visits Nakia because Nakia is now working with um, like a her school in Haiti. Yeah, there's a school in Haiti, and um, or as they say, Haiti. Yeah. Um, so she goes and visits uh, Nakia there, and Nakia introduces her to a young boy who tells, um, she's told his name, and she's like, oh, okay, cool. Nakia tells her, this is my son, and then she turns to the boy and gestures to Shuri and says, this is your aunt, which means that T'Challa has a son. And then as they talk, he then tells her that the name that, you know, she, she was just, uh, he was just introduced as is only his Haitian name, but yeah. his Wakandan name is T'Challa. Mm-hmm. Prince was, T'Challa. Yeah. That was absolutely amazing. Well, and then you find out that it was decided between Nakia and T'Challa that his son would be raised in Haiti, away from the throne, away from that pressure, and also that the queen knew about Prince T'Challa. Yeah. Um, and something, it obviously doesn't come out and say it, but um, as the queen and Shuri are starting that morning on the beach in Wakanda when Namor comes first reveal um, the first reveal yeah right before he comes out of the water uh the queen says there's something about your brother that I need to tell you and then she gets interrupted yeah and yeah I that and was I one... think 100 percent she was about to tell Shuri about T'Challa's son yeah, that was one thing that uh, I had thought about, and I was like, they never answered that. What were they talking about? And you brought that up earlier, and I feel so strongly that you figured it out. I like the fact that they brought in such a major plot point, and then um, afterwards kind of stated that uh, a lot of this was done with T'Challa's blessing or involvement or mm-hmm. or it was it was uh, very intentional yeah um he's the one that decided this is because i think for most of the movie we're led to believe that nikia just couldn't handle the grief of losing t'challa that she almost that going to haiti was her running away from yeah. it and not dealing with it and then you get that closure on her storyline that it wasn't her running away from her grief. It was her and T'Challa's choice that she goes there and raises the son there and that they don't attend the funeral and all of that. Um, And that only a very select few people even knew about this. And uh, I liked that they wrapped that up and uh, didn't make Nakia the bad guy for, for not being at the funeral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it wasn't a, uh, it was too hard for me. I couldn't bring myself to be there. It was, I wanted to be there, but we discussed it, and it was better that I'm not there. And 
I was able to fully grieve in a very healthy way in my own private, um, lesser known way. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, really loved that. Um, there, uh, there wasn't any post credit scene, which, uh, I, as the credits were rolling, I came up with at least one. Um, so at some point, uh, because Everett Ross was secretly communicating with Wakanda, keeping things from the U S government, um, stuff like that, he gets arrested. And then at the very end, uh, Okoye, uh, busts him out. And I was really hoping for some sort of a scene where, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, uh, Victoria Allegra, De Fontaine, whatever. Um, you pretty much see her talking about like explaining what happened with Everett Ross. You know, we had a detainee who busted out, and the people who busted him out are, um, you know, need to um, suffer the consequences along with Everett Ross. Um, but we can't just send in anyone, and that's why we're sending in you. And then the camera turns to show John Walker, U.S. agent, and Florence Pugh from Black Widow. Uh, I would have loved to see the two of them and then have John Walker say something along the lines of, okay, well, if they're as dangerous as you say, you're going to need more than just the two of us. And then have uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus say something along the lines of, yeah, I know, I'm working on it. And that's kind of the... um, announcement for thunderbolts i thought that could have been cool i'm just the sort of guy i always love whenever um a marvel movie ends by teasing a new project or a new team Mm -hmm. or it did say black panther will return it did which Um, is always great yeah Um, and I, i love that uh by saying that it is like shuri is the black panther yeah it's not like you know she's kind of taking it for a bit or something it's she is legitimately that i will say i do feel like this is the marvel that we've been craving recently that we haven't gotten yeah with the disappointment that came with multiverse of madness and some of the like marvel tv shows Mm -hmm. um i feel like like black panther 2 got us back to why we love Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really hope this lands really, really well with audiences. Um, similar to how uh, they felt about um, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. I don't know that it is landing as well with audiences or critics yeah. as I want it to, because mm-hmm. I loved it. I and, really, really loved um, this movie. I do think a lot of people are a little overly critical of Marvel now, just because, you know, this is the 30th movie in the Marvel franchise. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there Um, are a lot of things to compare it to, but I love Black Panther too. Yeah. And one thing that I will say, you know, my fondness uh, for the different uh, tones and vibes of Marvel projects. Uh, All in all, this was definitely one of the more serious in tone. Oh, absolutely. Marvel movies. This is um, not a Russo Brothers. This is not a Taika Waititi. I would definitely say this was Russo Brothers. You think so? Oh, I yeah. feel like they're more on the funny side. Really? Yeah. I I think two of the most serious Marvel movies 
would be uh, Captain America Winter Soldier and Infinity War. Uh, Civil War incorporates more like Ant-Man and stuff like that, but it's still very serious. And then Endgame um, has some very serious scenes. What what would you consider like a serious? I don't know. Okay. Maybe that wasn't the best. Okay. Because, um, yeah, for me, like the, the Russo brothers with Captain America Winter Soldier, they, I thought they were the guys who came into the Marvel Universe and kind of said what if we tried making a Marvel movie pretty devoid of jokes for the most part? Um, and so, yeah, this, that's what I loved so much about it was how Rousseauian it felt. Um, but, uh, yeah, it didn't feel, um, Taika Waititi. It didn't feel, uh, James Gunn. Um, it's James Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and I feel like because of that, it's going to become one of my favorites. Well, I think our dogs are done yeah. with us trying to record. Um, so we're going to wrap up this episode. Yeah, I will apologize, like, just knowing me and my skill at, at editing out um, blemishes and things like that. If there's ever choppiness throughout this episode, I'm sure there will be. Um, if you can tell that... Uh, the beginning of a sentence leads into an end of a sentence and clearly they were not uh, recorded at the same time <sighs> these dogs have been pretty difficult tonight so um yeah last episode they just laid down yeah this episode they did not yeah so but they're cute and we love them and thank you for listening thank you so much for for hanging in there and listening to the end um yeah, uh, we are The Real Couple. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. Uh, we have an Instagram page, uh, couple. Follow us on that. We're constantly doing, uh, you know, trivia and have you seen it and uh, different announcements. We're constantly dropping new trailers. Um, we, uh, oh, we got the new John Wick trailer attached to this, which... We, go watch it. Yeah, go watch that. That's looking great. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, like and subscribe, um, both on um, the podcasts and on Instagram. Uh, if you have any friends who don't know what to watch movie-wise, let them know that uh, we're more than willing to tell them what to watch. Uh, yeah, I think that's just about everything. Thanks so much. Have a great night or day or whatever. Have a day. Take care. Bye. Bye.